Welcome to Conspiracy Theoryology, a 12-episode podcast series hosted by Emma Marti, a senior at Piedmont University. Emma and a guest will be discussing and dissecting a theory, all while questioning the origin of the claims. Host Emma Marti and all guests are not supporting any theories, but simply looking at information to dive into the belief of the theory. Just a disclaimer for this episode, I do not sound like I normally do. I have a cold and allergies are flaring up. And with that whole combination, my voice is gone, essentially. But believe it or not, I am on the up and I do sound better than I did before. Dr. Deborah Dooley is a professor of earth sciences at Piedmont University. She was my geology professor, and I felt like this podcast just would not be complete without her perspective on the next two episodes. For this episode, we will be talking about the Flat and Hollow Earth Conspiracy Theories. The Flat Earth Conspiracy Theory dates back for ages. I already wrote an article about this theory, talking about the societal belief and why they believe in this theory. So for the episode, we will be sticking more so with the scientific aspect. Most everyone is familiar with this theory, but they are not necessarily familiar with the history behind the claims. And less known than the Flat Earth theories, Hollow Earth came into popularity in the 1700s and has made an appearance in a lot of science fiction folklore. As we know, there's plenty of geological evidence proving that the Earth is round, and putting any prior knowledge aside just for a second, is there any sort of proof that the Earth could be flat? I would have to say none that I'm aware of. Um, I think that people who might subscribe to the flat earth um, hypothesis, we'll go with hypothesis because it can't be a theory if it's not supported by scientific evidence. We all know that. And I think those that subscribe to it, in a way, kind of do it just to be obstinate, challenging, not because they actually believe it to be the case because clearly there's nothing that supports yeah so they're just kind of joining the hype train in a way they're just doing it to either be difficult or get attention or you know just be different and draw attention to themselves by being hmm, obstinate i guess Mm -hmm. yeah yeah because there's not a single line of evidence Mm -hmm. that would support the earth being flat Unless there's something that the government's completely just hiding from us in, <laughs> like, let's say, like, Area 52 or something like that. Just a completely different... Well, and I think, too, that... Um, well, and that's part of the problem mm-hmm. when it comes to the way that people think and what they're willing to believe is that once it gets in the ether and they, uh, you know, certain people, oh, that's cool, you know, and that'll that'll make me different and... That'll make me be difficult, and um, it's dangerous. It's it dangerous because even the slightest misconception, once perpetuated, somehow becomes acceptable. Yeah. And that is super, super dangerous, especially when, and I don't want to call, I don't want to call people ignorant, ignorant in the sense of being uninformed. Like unintentionally ignorant, not... Unintentionally ignorant, you know. It's um, not that they have the knowledge and they're just ignoring it. They're just, they genuinely aren't aware. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They don't have the foundation to question. 
Yeah. And those, those individuals are the most susceptible to misinformation. And um, there's also plenty of research out there that says, that, that indicates that if a person can't convince themselves, like they need to have the hands-on experience that contradicts their understanding. And until they have that experience, that misconception is going to perpetuate. You, people have to fix it for themselves. Yeah. No matter what somebody else tells them, they're just going to hold on to what it is that they think or they believe mm-hmm. or they believe they know. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's not until you give them the opportunity to demonstrate to themselves, mm-hmm. can you change your minds, which is yeah. challenging. It is. It really is. And I feel like kind of going back to the theory aspect of conspiracy theories, in a sense, um, I've talked a lot about selective exposure and confirmation bias. Mm -hmm. That is literally what you just explained. There's so much there's so much harm in that. And, uh, you know, and it it goes it goes. I guess it supports the preaching to the choir. It does. You know, people hear what they want to hear. Like you said, yeah, and um, and if they don't, if they're not willing to look outside of that, their box, mm-hmm. their perspective, their bias, it's really hard to make progress. It is really, really hard to make progress, and can be really frustrating. It it's very frustrating, especially as a scientist who bases all understanding on evidence and. Even, even in cases where the evidence is there, some people choose to ignore it. <laughs> it just baffles me that some people are able to look at something that, one, straight up proves something, whether it's true or false, and then two, is from such a credible source, and they'll just completely be like, no, that's not what I accept. Because it doesn't, it doesn't fit into their paradigm. It doesn't fit their narrative. Yeah. Yeah. And Paradigm shifts are super hard. And again, from a scientific perspective, we know that these paradigm shifts have happened from a geocentric solar system, you know, the perception that Earth was the center of all things, Mm. big shift to the heliocentric model, and, you know, people, uh, scientists, observers got in trouble (laughs) for saying that the Earth was not the center. So it's it's a tough road, and unless people are willing to look outside their narrative, minds are not going to change, even when it comes to something like a flat earth, which is just ridiculous. I agree. And I take 100%. exception to the word theory because it has very specific implications. It does. <laughs> Theories, well-supported. Others agree. Everybody's on board. Demonstrated through scientific evidence. The data's yeah. there and supported and shared in order to make it whatever the explanation is into a theory. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Theory has power Theory's until it gets power. diluted, and that's the problem. Mm-hmm. The idea of theories and science getting diluted yeah. right now. It's frustrating. Very frustrating. <laughs> I'm sure it's even more frustrating from, like, a scientific standpoint because from the outside looking in, it's – I'm not a science person. We both know this, but um, I'm sure it's just so frustrating. It is. It is. And again, you you really can't change people's minds. Unless they're willing. Unless they're willing. 
and and many will not do it unless they can demonstrate it to themselves but they're not willing to demonstrate it to themselves mm-hmm. yeah so, because research research takes energy and effort and there's so many biased outlets for information that even if you go seeking information if you follow the if you go down the wrong rabbit hole you're going to end up with piles and piles and piles of misinformation mm-hmm. as opposed to getting the truth so kind of moving on um <laughs> we just went on a tangent about flat earth but what about the earth being hollow well as you learned in geology and you I might did. you might say that you're not a science person but i think you learned a good bit of geology oh i definitely <laughs> did i definitely you know. did um so you may remember that we have many, many techniques from a geologic perspective that allow us to demonstrate that the Earth is indeed not hollow. Mm-hmm. Um, we use primarily seismic surveys, which are energy waves generated by earthquakes deep within the Earth, and they travel through, and they get reflect, refracted and reflected, and they come back up to the surface, and we record them, and it allows us to get a nice big picture of everything that's down there. Mm-hmm. Um so definitely not hollow, but but definitely layered. Yeah. And that is, again, based on seismic wave behavior. Mm-hmm. And it's not just seismic waves. If you want to look at shallow Earth, um, near-surface Earth, you can uh, look at gravity surveys, magnetic surveys. There are different ways to get a picture, a literal picture, if you know how to interpret it, of what is underground. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I kind of take exception to um, movies like The Core. I've never heard of it. <laughs> the Core. Uh, if you want to laugh a lot, because mm-hmm. it's redunculous, um, <laughs> they're in a ship-ish, like a an Earth submarine that is supposed to go their journey to the core. And, you know, there are scenes where they're floating through magma, or I should say propelling through magma but getting hit by rocks that are diamonds that are potentially damaging to their submersible, their earth submarine. Um, so totally not the case. And yeah. even if even the areas that do have liquid, at least within the, the middle layer, the mantle of the earth, it's not like liquid. Li- there's liquid around uh-huh. rocks. So it's not anything that you could actually like swim through (laughs) no 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 and even that is not it's only near the upper part of the mantle okay so the rest of it's pretty dang solid until you get to the core if you remember that i do the the outer core is indeed liquid and that's why we have magnetic poles Mm -hmm. and we know again we know this um and yeah yeah it's 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 the truth does this, okay, obviously I have those set questions and everything, but does this just like make your science hurt, like your heart hurt a little bit when people go against this? Well, okay, it depends on their intention. Oh, that makes total sense. So again, if it's out of being uninformed, fine. If it's to be obstinate, not so good. Yeah. If it is to be fantastical, why not? As mm-hmm. long as you recognize that it's fantasy. I 
am not a big fan of science fiction. Oh. Um, I don't like alternate timelines. I don't like, you know. So let's consider the core a, a science fiction movie. We'll go with that. I okay. feel a little bit better about it that way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because from a, again, science perspective, that hurts. Yeah. If it's taken as any kind of reality. Because, again, once that makes its way out into the conversation, mm-hmm. then that's what people are going to be believe until they can demonstrate to themselves it's not the case. Yeah. And with things like, you know, and you, I don't feel bad for, you know, history and, and, and people literally believing that the earth was flat mm-hmm. or that the earth is hollow. They didn't have the technology. Exactly. They didn't have the, you know, we didn't have the means to demonstrate anything different. Yeah. So you can understand it, but now we do. So it's not understandable. <laughs> I agree a hundred percent. There were, um, I wrote articles as a part of my capstone and one of my articles I did focus on like flat earth and everything. And that's literally a point that I made. I was like, we can't fault people in history because of their lack of technology because they just didn't have access to it. Mm-hmm. So why are we blaming them essentially? Right, right. No, yeah. I don't. I don't at all. And I also don't, you know, and I appreciate that people want to think about things in alternate ways, mm-hmm. as long as you recognize that it's a, a, a thought exercise and not yeah. it's a what if not it is. Exactly. I feel like a lot of conspiracy theories I found through the podcast episodes and just my capstone in general, it's just sometimes it's healthy to think about them. But as long as you recognize there is not a hundred percent truth. Yes. Yeah. Well, and even in science, you know, that's why we use statistical analysis because you don't say that anything is proven. You say that what you have, uh, that your experiment, that your results are supported. Your hypothesis has been supported through the evidence and the data that you have gathered mm-hmm. beyond random chance. So yeah. it's not a matter of proving, it's a matter of demonstrating that your explanation is supported through the scientific method. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's just, I mean, that's pervasive everywhere that, that the word proven gets thrown out left and right. Recognizing that, and not recognizing that it's this description or this process has been demonstrated to be the case that it is statistically significantly shown to be the case. Mm -hmm. And then you share it and other people look at it and they look at your data and they analyze your research and and they confirm or not that what you've demonstrated is the case. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and I will say too, one of the big issues with science is in, in the scientific process is a lot of work gets put out there but often doesn't get confirmed so back in the day there had been experiments on cold fusion and and lots of other different um let's say experimental methods that no one really that often they don't get looked into very closely and then when someone does decide to look into it closely oh okay so that's not the case Um, okay yeah and I don't think anyone ever has the conversations about, or rarely is the conversation had about how much information, how much data is put out there, 
and how critically it is judged. Mm -hmm. And that's an argument that some of the conspiracy theorists and, and deniers of science, that's one of the arguments that they use. Yeah. Is that science is put out there and it's not tested. Mm-hmm. Which, in a small way, is a legitimate art- like, <laughs> argument. I could, I could see that point. <laughs> I could definitely see that point. So the bigger picture issues with how the earth is and how the earth operates pretty well understood yeah Yeah. i feel like by this point there should be enough um evidence and then testing that the evidence is supported and can be proven at this point there should be enough yes especially when it comes to you know larger picture issues you know that there's still you know there's still research even when it comes to our own earth on things like the transition from the asthenosphere to the deeper mantle using thermal tomography, thermal mm-hmm. mapping of the mantle. I mean, we can thermally map the mantle. That's pretty impressive. Um, but the actual mechanics, the physics of the situation, that's still being evaluated. And that's another thing that, you know, the I don't want to say the average person, but that's another thing that the public needs to understand about science is it's not stagnant. Yeah. We're not saying that once this is known, we're done. But not, not everything is known. Yeah. That's definitely something with conspiracy theories, too, where it's like, as much as people don't want to accept it, evidence can change. And, like, something that, like, going back to talking about technology, technology changes, so the way that people look at things will change. So, Mm -hmm. therefore, their evidence should change as well. And once people have a certain idea in their head and they've accepted it as the truth... They're not going to want to go back and change their thought process because it changes their narrative again. Right, right. Exactly. And I mean, I think most recently we've had we've had the opportunity to see science evolving hour by hour, day by day when it comes to COVID and our response to COVID and the vaccinations and people being upset that, well, you don't know this and you don't know that. And we don't. It's a process. Yeah. You can't know until it happens. Yeah. Um, so it also gave many opportunities for the public to be very hesitant about certain things because it was evolving. It was a process. Um, and, to you know, for some in the public to make the argument, well, you don't know. That's why I'm not going to do it. Well, we don't know. Mm-hmm. And we won't know until we progress. Yeah. So science uh, science is, is, is hard. Science is hard. <laughs> it is very hard, but obviously something worth, worth essentially. Exactly. And how are you going to know that what we might refer to as the truth, um, but how do you know, how are you going to know what is the case unless mm-hmm. you're willing to, to follow that path? that is yeah. prescribed by scientific discovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> so science is a valuable, valuable tool. And I would say that even, and I think statistics also, statistics are both good and bad because if you're good at statistics, you can use numbers to say almost anything that you want yeah. them to say. Yeah. So if you are uninformed, we, we'll quit using the word ignorant that seems bad if you're uninformed 
and you're told this information and you don't understand how statistics work and you don't understand how science works, you're willing to buy in. Yeah. Because you don't know any better how to investigate the information you've been given. Exactly. So this is kind of a random tangent in a way, but um, this past week I had the opportunity to go to West Point to go to the conference um, for, it's called SCUSA, so the Student Conference of U.S. Affairs. And so my group was kind of tasked on identifying the problem with media, public opinion, and polarized politics, which, (laughs) one, how are you going to tell students to solve this problem? Because obviously it's a problem that is happening and will probably continue to always happen. Mm-hmm. But our, one of our solutions that we proposed was offering media literacy because there are a lot of people out there who don't know how to find a credible source and how to look at data. So I feel like that's a very important thing, not only for this conspiracy theory itself, but for any conspiracy theories. Because if you don't know how to look at data, you could kind of spin it for it to mean however, whatever you want it to mean. Exactly. And, you know, uh, speaking to our Piedmont student body, that is the reason that you are here. Exactly. Um, and that is the reason that you are required to take a science course. Um, the goal of your introductory science course is to give you some of those skills to better evaluate the information that you're provided with Mm -hmm. because there is so much bias in media. There are, (laughs) yeah, everyone's coming from a different perspective and unless you know how to evaluate the information you're provided, you will accept it as truth, Mm -hmm. correct, there aren't very many good words to describe information given in the media. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Very true. Because <laughs> truth doesn't, mm, no. Text. We'll go with text. text. <laughs> yeah, very broad, just text. <laughs> just text that's put out there. But I think that I love the idea of a media literacy course. Yeah. Yes. It's, yeah. it's necessary. And like you said, because we know that they're, they're, it's hard to say that there are any specific news outlets that I can think of that don't have some bias. Yeah, whether it's intentional or not. Exactly. It's kind of, you know, and in certain outlets, I mean, I will freely admit, I am a national public radio listener. Mm-hmm. And we all know that as unbiased as they represent themselves, there's a overall, I wouldn't say philosophy, but... There's, there's, a, there's a lean to it, there's, mm-hmm. you know, um, and you can get that sense from the interviews. And so I know when I'm listening to this that I should also be listening or at least reading some other options. Yeah. But, and I'll, truth be told, I am not willing to go down a path that is contrary to my too contrary to my biases. Mm-hmm. I know the saying out there is like, know thy enemy. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't. Some, I just can't. I can't stomach some of the stuff that I see that I know, that I know is not true. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I guess I'm being a little uh, a little closed off in that way because it yeah. hurts my heart to, to search out what non-conforming, like you said, we go with 
our bias. We yeah. go with preaching to the choir. And, and that's healthy to some extent, but also it doesn't allow. I talked with um, Dr. Tingle about this in one of her episodes where I was just like, it's okay to live in your bubble, but until it gets to a point where you're not allowing yourself to grow as a person, that's when I feel like it can be kind of harmful. Right. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I'm willing to, I, I think you know this, but I'm yeah. willing to accept everyone from where they're coming from. Yeah. And I may not agree with a lot of their, you know, with some of their opinions. I won't say a lot. Um, I may not agree with, with their perspectives, but I'm not going to uh, disenfranchise them because of that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I doubt, I, I don't understand and I would like to expand the way they think about certain things, including mm-hmm. science. Um, and I see my role as more holistic than just, you must learn that this is a granite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm really looking forward to teaching sustainability and environmental science next semester so mm-hmm. we can have more of those conversations. Yeah. Um, just want to encourage people and I sh- probably sh- should know a little bit more about some alternative perspectives than my own mm-hmm. because at that point if you know of the alternative perspectives in my opinion it can only strengthen your own beliefs right because you're aware of what other people are thinking or why they don't believe or subscribe to your same perspective and then you could kind of back up your perspective and being like, I respect what you think, and I'm going to think this for exactly. these reasons. Exactly. Exactly. It's a healthy, it's a healthy yeah. process. A lot of conspiracy theorists do not do that, and they will just stay in their bubble. Right, right. Not willing to listen to anything that is contrary. Exactly. And again, you know, some, it, if, if someone is subscribing to one of these conspiracy theories just to be um, obstinate or difficult, it's like, okay, you're just being difficult. Yeah. You be difficult. But if it's for nefarious means, if there's an end goal in the perpetual and in the perpetuating of the conspiracy theory, that's a problem. I agree. If the end result is, if there's some desired end result that could be um, damaging. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it, again, and it, some just, just do it to be difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those that do are probably a little less informed. Yeah. So I kind of want to go back because we did mention science fiction just on yes. a surface level. So there's plenty of scientific evidence that proves otherwise, but because they were portrayed fictionally, people kind of believe that these theories are real in a sense because... They saw it on the screen, so they think that it's 100% the truth, especially because they saw them with their own eyes, even if it was just a movie. Mm -hmm. So do you think that the fictional popularity of these theories kind of helps spread the misinformation behind them? I do. And I think, again, it's it's just a matter of putting it out there for public consumption Mm -hmm. if someone is uninformed. Um, they will see it. They may not recognize the difference between fantasy and reality. 
especially when it comes to things like Earth's processes or space or yeah. <laughs> other scientific phenomena, just because they're not, again, informed mm-hmm. on how these processes happen. And, you know, with, with um, oh, the Webb telescope, we're actually getting new information every day. Yeah. Every day that is altering the way that we think about how these things happen. Putting something in a movie and it in a way legitimizes it. Yeah. yeah. Even if it is a fantastical movie, even if it's fiction, mm-hmm. um, it gives the populace an opportunity to envision. Yeah, definitely. And um, And again, they see it, which... One uh, an, an important aspect of of understanding is seeing, mm-hmm. visualizing, interacting with. That is incorporated into your understanding of how something is or how something might occur. Once it's out there, I don't think it's dangerous, but because some are uninformed, it can inadvertently yeah. make its way in. That just kind of reminded me, I'm a very big Stranger Things fan. Love Stranger Things. Okay, perfect. So we can Loved actually it. talk about it. But um, a lot, I was reading, um, I did an article separately on um, like the Montauk Project and mm-hmm. everything and how that influenced the show Stranger Things, which is a random side note, but um, <laughs> it's so interesting to me. And anyway, I... And I was thinking, like, I was listening to you talking, and I was just thinking, obviously paying attention to you, but I was also <laughs> thinking, I was like, this just reminds me, in spoiler alert for season four of Stranger Things, but um, <laughs> with Eddie and the whole Dungeons and Dragons, like, mm-hmm. portrayal of him as, like, a demon worshiper, a satanic person, right. because yeah. there is that visualization of the game Dungeons and Dragons, and watching the show, I didn't know this, but that was something that actually happened, like the satanic panic and everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 I was. I remember my dad always considered me a little bit of a smarty pants, um, youngest of four. And I, I don't know. I think he was highly invested in me as being the last bastion of hope for an academic. Or <laughs> I should also add that both my sisters – went on to get a degree. Mm-hmm. I just happened to do it first as the Good youngest. For you. Yes. Good so for you. so my family's great. Um, they're awesome and they're all talented in their own ways. Mm-hmm. So my dad as a I think he might have got he might have given me Dungeons and Dragons probably when I was 12, 13, 14. Mm-hmm. And I was not into it. Yeah. It was not really and I think he was a little bit disappointed about that. But I remember at that time there was that concern about it being a, you know, satanic uh, activity that children were getting involved in and going down in their basements and not coming out for hours and hours and hours. And what are they doing down there? Yeah. Um, I remember that as a child. Yeah, as a teenager. Kind of funny. That's funny. Well, and again, it goes to misconceptions because it it turns out that, I mean, we know that all the kids are, are good kids, but... What was his name again? Because I'm terrible with details. Eddie. Eddie. Such a nice boy. He was. And misconceptions. Mm-hmm. He's wearing his rocker t-shirts. He's wearing his jean jacket. He's 
got his long hair mm -hmm. and that misconception out that is out there that he is something that he's not exactly and misconceptions are dangerous they are <laughs> misconceptions misinformation mm -hmm. conspiracy theories everything danger danger yeah very dangerous <laughs> very dangerous and, you know, and the reason is funny because also I don't, like I said, I don't remember details because when I'm watching something like that, my husband, huge science fiction fan. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Huge alternative timelines. He's watching this show right now called La Brea. Never heard of it. It's a new show on network okay. TV, La Brea Tarpit. So I was like, I'm down, you mm -hmm. know, La Brea Tarpit, really interesting. They have recovered, you know, tons of fossils of all different kinds of carnivores. And, you know, it's a really cool place in L.A. And it turns out to be a portal to back in time. Um, because I'm not a science fiction fan, I enjoy the storyline story of Stranger Things. Mm -hmm. But because I'm not all about the, the upside down and the, you know, the things yeah. that are the fantasy part of it, I, I kind of shut down a little bit. That's fair. So, mm -hmm. um, when it comes to details, that happens a lot when I'm watching movies that are science fiction based or that makes fantasy. Sense. That makes sense. I enjoy the process, but can't remember yeah. details. <laughs> Very fair. I understand. <laughs> and I guess I should say, you know, when it talks about when I talked about me not holding on to details about things that I don't really that I'm not really into, and I know are fantasy or fic or science fiction. Um, I have I have a hard time um, visualizing things that are alternative to the way things are. That makes sense. I'm not a good, you know, I could tell a decent story based on reality, but to do any kind of, I know fan fiction is a huge, huge thing out there. Um, to do anything that is out, for me personally, to considered fictional events mm -hmm. or to write fictional stories or to consider fictional scenarios is, is, is a bit of a challenge. Yeah. And that whole thing about expanding horizons, that would be another area that to be a better, to be a more, not a better person, but to be a more well-rounded yeah. person, mm -hmm. the idea of, I appreciate people who, who enjoy and can write fiction. It's, it's just really mm -hmm. hard for me. <laughs> well, I feel like there's a lot of things where it's like, I don't think there's any harm in you not necessarily being a fiction, like fantasy person. Now, if it was like, I don't know how to say this without it coming across like controversial or anything, <laughs> but it's just like, if it was something that actually affects day-to-day -day life and you were like that towards, I'd say that's an issue. Yeah. But I don't think there's an issue in, at least you're aware yes. as well. Because that's a problem. If people aren't aware of their, um, I guess, biases, mm -hmm. if it's not aware, then they're not going to recognize there's even an issue. And I do, I like I said, I do appreciate all people of yep. all stripes. And, you know, if people want to go to uh, a Renaissance fair and, you know, get their medieval on um if they want to you know envision minotaurs and <laughs> that's on them mythical a mythical existence with fairies and hey if it makes you happy yeah as long as it doesn't hurt other people exactly 
Yeah. Exactly. So live and let live. Exactly. Except for when they're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess we could end the episode on okay. kind of like a cliffhanger. So I will see you again next week. I look forward to it. And we will be discussing climate change, global yes. warming. Yes. And yeah. Can we do spoiler alert? We can. Climate change is real. I never knew that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I want to thank you so much for being on this episode. It's been a long time coming. Yes. And I'm so happy we finally got to sit down and do it. Well, thank you for asking me because it was super fun. I agree. It was so much fun. Thank yes. you. Support science. Support science. Thank you for listening to Conspiracy Theoryology. Be sure to tune in every Friday for a new episode with host Emma Marti. Keep an eye open. Someone's always watching.